Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I'm going to read you a somewhat lengthy passage from my book that was originally published in 2006 under the title Pet Ghosts, Animal Encounters from Beyond the Grave. I've been wanting to read this to you for a while, and uh, I think you'll find this intriguing. Penguins have a flat cornea. This enhances their vision underwater, allowing them to be superior hunters. Most extraordinary, they are also able to see ultraviolet, that is UV light, invisible to human eyes. Bats can see into the UV range as well. Ordinarily, a mammal's lens absorbs that frequency range, protecting the retinal cells. But nocturnal creatures never develop that protection because it's not a component, a component of nighttime survival. Uh, many insects have an outstanding ability to see into the UV, especially bees. It not only helps them identify plants, widening the range of visible distinct patterns, but also assists in recognizing other insects whose wings often reflect UV light. And yet, oddly enough, bees cannot see the color red, easily visible to us, but too low a frequency for them. On the other hand, some animals can detect the infrared, that is IR range, invisible to humans. Sources of heat produce IR waves, and humans literally glow with that energy. Perhaps the animals most sensitive to this are snakes in the pit viper family, such as rattlesnakes. Their name comes from two pits, or shallow holes, just behind the nostrils on either side of their heads, that can detect thermal radiation, particularly beaming from warm-blooded prey. Scientists still are not sure how temperature changes stimulate the cells to activate neurons, but the process works with great efficiency. In fact, two pits seem to provide depth perception, just like two eyes, and this allows a serpent to perceive its prey as a textured three-dimensional form. Considering the usefulness of two eyes or eye-like organs to give an observer depth perception. Just imagine having eight eyes, because most spiders have four pairs of eyes, and this allows them to see a span of 360 degrees all at once. It's virtually impossible for us to imagine being able to see completely around ourselves all at the same time. Eyes can move up and down, left and right, or in or out for superior focusing. It's really just mind-boggling. But regardless of an organism's ability to see a variety of light wavelengths and angles, the way light is processed by the brain makes a substantial impact. Humans appear to move in slow motion to insects like roaches or flies. This is because their brains are able to perceive and make sense of their surroundings much faster 
than our human brains. The effect is similar to the strobing phenomenon, but can be demonstrated more appropriately by the frame rate of a motion picture camera. Human action looks about normal when filmed 24 times per second, hence the traditional 24 frames per second as the rate for movies. If you shoot humans at a lower rate, like 18 frames per second, they appear to move in fast motion, like some of the old black-and-white comedies of the early 20th century. But if you shoot at 36 frames per second, the people move in slow motion. So some of the extreme high-speed cameras capable of filming thousands of frames per second are used to slow down extremely fast subjects, like speeding bullets. This analogy between eye-brain coordination and cameras should help you understand why it's so darn hard to swat a fly. (laughs) They see you coming like a lethargic, lumbering giant. Now, there are many creatures that can hear a broader range than humans. We can generally perceive from around 20 to 20,000 hertz. So basically that means if air, ground, or some other medium is vibrating between 20 and 20,000 times per second, it resonates with our eardrums, creating a distinct sound. However, dogs can hear up to 40,000 hertz, and cats up to 60,000, and small animals like rodents up to 100,000. So the smaller your head the higher you can usually hear because the size of your cranium usually determines the uh, size of your resonant cavity. So a big elephant hears very low and can perceive 15 hertz or less because low waves travel farther than high ones. Elephants use them to communicate over vast distances in the wild. And yet, oddly enough, a pigeon can hear as low as one-tenth of a hertz. Aside from how they can see and hear, animal abilities are different than human abilities in a rainbow of other ways. Pigs have often been criticized as unruly, uncouth eaters of slop. But in fact... They have finer tastes than we do. Swine and goats have around 15,000 taste buds, whereas humans only have about 9,000. Rabbits have about 17,000, even better. These creatures with such expensive tastes are known for eating things we find disgusting. Well, this must mean there are wonderful tastes and even soured and rotting items that we cannot appreciate. And that's good for them, I suppose. (laughs) Of course, taste and smell are uh, generally interwoven in most species. We take advantage of uh, earthworms on a daily basis, tossing them into water by the thousands as mere bait. And yet they, too, are remarkable. Their entire bodies are covered with aroma-detecting organs called 
chemoreceptors. Houseflies smell and taste by more than 3,000 receptors on their legs. Even feces is enjoyable to their advanced perception. More mysterious are animals with a sixth sense for electromagnetism. Most notable are sharks. They seem to navigate by perceiving a three-dimensional map of their magnetic environment, and they can sense extremely tiny voltages. Some devices on the commercial market take advantage of this to protect scuba divers and surfers. Strong fields, overwhelming disorienting and disrupting the sharks are projected around the human and this makes the giant fish immediately turn and find more comfortable surroundings some have speculated a similar ability helps birds migrate using the earth's field as a map Uh, there is mixed data regarding how birds migrate so accurately over long distances year after year. Many creatures, such as humans, have tiny traces of magnetite in their heads, and these bits could act as compass needles adjusting to the Earth's field. And if the brain gains useful information from their position, this might assist in orienting an animal properly. However, according to Rupert Sheldrake's book called Seven Experiments that could change the world, this has been tested extensively with homing pigeons, but seems irrelevant. Around 1969 to 1970, a man named William Keaton of Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, attached bar magnets to the heads and backs of pigeons, certainly enough to distort any possible awareness of the Earth's subtle magnetic field. However, the birds were still able to home. Sheldrake wrote, most of the published reports have failed to show any significant effects of magnetic fields, and in addition, many other negative studies have remained unpublished. One of the leading investigators in the field, Charles Walcott, has come to the conclusion that, quote, given the weight of all this negative evidence, coupled with the circumstantial nature of the positive evidence, it becomes very difficult to believe that the pigeon makes use of magnetic cues for its map, end quote. So even more amazing is how some animals may respond not only to the Earth's terrain, but to bodies in space as well. This is especially apparent in oysters, as described in Supernature by Lyle Watson. Marine biologist Frank Brown began experimenting with oysters in 1954 at his laboratory in Evanston, Illinois, near Chicago. And it was well known that oysters would open and close with the tide spreading to ingest food at high tide and then sealing up at low tide. And when Brown took groups of the creatures from Connecticut's shore to Evanston, a thousand miles away, the creatures retained their cycle of opening and closing, all in unison.
but after two weeks their timing changed. The oysters began opening and closing at the time the tide would have reached Evanston had it been on the coast. Now, perplexed by this, Brown surmised they might be adjusting by receiving cues from the variance in sunlight. So he locked them away in a completely dark, controlled chamber, and this made no impact as they still responded like clockwork. It seemed the oysters were actually sensitive to the lunar forces responsible for altering the tides, directly sensitive to a body over 250,000 miles away. Watson claims the Hughes Aircraft Laboratory in California developed a tilt meter, as they called it, delicate enough to detect the moon's gravitational influence in a cup of tea. It makes one wonder how such lunar tides affect humans, being that we're primarily composed of water ourselves. Though we can marvel at how receptive some animals are to energy fields, think of those creatures capable of producing extraordinary amounts. I've always been captivated by electric ills. Now, though they are not truly ills, but snake-like fish, these marvels of nature grow up to nine feet long and produce up to 650 volts to stun or kill prey. Now, keep in mind, a standard electrical socket in the United States is only 110 volts. Their heads are negatively charged, and their tails are positively charged, forming a long battery. The slimy cells capable of storing and conducting such current are still not completely understood by scientists. If we know biological components can generate this kind of power, it makes me wonder if some people possessing telekinetic ability, that is the psychic skill to affect matter without physically touching it, can generate electromagnetic or electrostatic fields in a similar way. Electrical forces associated with creatures remind us of the energy form that may reside after we die, as possibly evidenced from some Kirlian effects. This might be especially relevant for creatures that can regenerate missing limbs. A young salamander can grow a new leg in around a month. It takes longer for an adult, though, and the replacement is not as big and stout as the original. Though lacking a strong backbone, lizards commonly regenerate tails that have been bitten off by predators and even possess a mechanism to help the tail snap off in a pinch. Frogs, crayfish, earthworms, and flatworms all have this ability to some extent. And some starfish can grow an entirely new creature from only a single arm. That means you could cut one starfish into five pieces 
and make five entirely new creatures. In college, my uh, biology professor would speak of oyster fishermen annoyed by pulling starfish up in nets. They were hoping to lower the population since starfish eat oysters. The fishermen would cut them into pieces and dump the scraps overboard. And of course, the seamen inadvertently increased the starfish population. (laughs) at an amazing, exponentially expanding rate. Biologists are intensely studying these regenerating organisms for a better understanding of how their bodies accomplish such a remarkable feat. Ideally, we could learn to adapt their genes for humans, allowing us to regrow limbs in the same way. In fact, A human child, up to the age of 11, can already regenerate an amputated fingertip. Did you know that? And on a regular basis, we regenerate to a smaller degree through normal healing and replacement of internal parts like the linings of our stomachs and the inside of our cheeks. The big question is whether or not when animals such as starfish and lizards, regenerate, the new cells are fitting into an energy mold that remains even after the physical sections are destroyed. Do their bodies provide an etheric blueprint, a ghostly form by which the new limbs' cells are guided? This is just a small number of examples regarding what makes animals special. They have powers that we do not possess. And if a human did have some of these abilities, we would certainly call that person psychic. Because we are all made of the same substance, you see, cells. The fact that some organisms have these characteristics proves that it's possible for biological entities to attain seemingly supernatural skills. It's another example of why we are egotistical, thinking that if we cannot personally perform something, it is an astounding or astounding accomplishment that every organism you have to understand, is simply different in its own special way. I could keep going here, but I think you see the point that I'm making from reading that passage from the book. The point here is that you're made of cells just like those creatures are made of cells. They have these seemingly superhuman abilities but they're not necessarily superhuman. You can tap into those things as well. Um, I have a lot on my mind right now, and I'm telling you, you would be astounded by what humans can accomplish that they don't think they can accomplish. It takes on many different forms. Part of it is just thinking properly 
And then part of it is expressing that by speaking or writing. But all that said, um, over the next few days, I'm going to be doing some um, some speaking. <laughs> but I think I'm going to take a break from doing this podcast for a couple of days. That's because on uh, Sunday, I'm doing this webinar, you know. And this is a webinar where I'm going to be sitting there for two hours. 200 people get to take this webinar. It's being produced by Brad Johnson up there in Canada. And I'm going to be talking about radionics and wishing machines and the paranormal. So that'll be, I think, at 3 p.m. on Sunday, this Sunday. What is that? March the... Yeah, March the 18th. Yeah. So, if you're interested in joining me for that, let's see. Let me make sure. I I, I think I, I know it, but I want to make sure. Okay, here's what you do. You go to Brad's website called NewEarthTeachings.com. That's plural, okay? NewEarthTeachings.com. And you click the link that says events there, and it'll show you how to sign up for this two-hour webinar, which, uh, again, I think it just costs, like, it's less than $13. Brad's a good guy, and so um, I'm happy to be a part of this. But also, listen to this. One of my favorite professors in college was Dr. David Steele, who is the father of Sam Still, who is now the host of Speaking of Strange. And tomorrow night, Saturday, guess who Sam is going to have in the studio as his guest? Yes, his dad, Dr. Still, is going to be in there. And they're going to talk about a brief history of time. You know, obviously Stephen Hawking just passed. They're going to talk about physics and science and the afterlife. And phew, there's no telling the stuff they're going to get into. So that's totally free. Uh, so tomorrow night, Saturday night, you can just go to speakingofstrange.com at 9 p.m. East Coast time. That's New York time. And uh, the show is from 9 to midnight. It's a three-hour show. And you can listen to that. You can stream it right through speakingofstrange.com. And then on Sunday, you can check out my webinar at 3 p.m. East Coast time. Again, that's New York time. Two-hour webinar. Only available to 200 people. I guess there's a technical cutoff. Some something happens when you get past two hundred people. Um, <laughs> so that'll be on Sunday. But uh, in preparation, I am going to be, uh, like I say, taking a break th- uh, from this podcast over the weekend. Um, and let me tell you, uh, there's a lot going on right now. It's a very exciting time. And if you want to know what's going on, you really ought to be sure that you are a subscriber to my free e-newsletter. And 
if you go to joshuapwarren.com, there is no period after the P, go to joshuapwarren.com. You'll see the uh, area right there near the top where you can subscribe to the free e-newsletter to stay updated. Uh, Furthermore, uh, while you're there, click the link at the top to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. You can subscribe through various means, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, and I usually will tweet when a new one is available. All right, I hope you enjoyed all that today. I hope it opens your mind. hope it makes you think a little bit more about what it means to be a human immersed in this world with all these other creatures. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.